I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Alright, it's 9 o'clock, so we better get going. Okay. We are in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 40, where when we left off, we were talking about Nehemiah uh, choosing people to repopulate the city of Jerusalem and the worshiping that ensued thereafter. We're in the middle of that worship in verse 40. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God so did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests, and he names a bunch of them, the choir sang under the direction of Jezrahiah, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruits, and tithes. From the fields around the towns, you know what's interesting? As they called, they distinguished contributions from the tithes. If they distinguished contributions from tithes, meaning making it a point to say there's such things as a contribution and there's such things as a tithe, then we know that those two are different things, right? Otherwise, it would be like saying they appointed people to be in charge of the storerooms, the tithes, the first fruits, and the tithes. There's two tithes. Nobody would do that. So contributions are obviously a different thing. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did also the singers and gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there had been directors for the singers and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed the daily portions for the singers and gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. And that is the conclusion of chapter 12, so we're just going to swing right into chapter 13, which is the final chapter of the book of Nehemiah. On that day, the book of Moses was read aloud in the hearing of the people, and there it was found, written, that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever be admitted into the assembly of God, because they had not met the Israelites with food and water, 
but had hired Balaam to, cur- to call a curse down on them. Our God, however, turned the curse into a blessing. When the people heard this law, they excluded from Israel all who were of foreign descent. This is a decent little footnote because on the surface that sounds like, okay, so God didn't love the Ammonites and Moabites. But you need to understand that these nations were two bitter enemies of Israel. Bad influences? That's right. That's the heart of what's being talked about here. That's absolutely correct, right? Like the fall of Israel was really just bad influences eating their way down to the exile and... It's what gets them in trouble. You can say you can say and mean that you love somebody, and also realize that they're not a good influence for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no, I love this person, but when I happen to be with them, they don't bring out the best in me. They help bring out the worst in me. And so, even though I love them, I'm just I don't want. I, I'm going to choose not to hang around them. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it says you know God's law clearly stated that these two peoples should never be allowed in the temple, that is, the Moabites and the Ammonites. It didn't have to do with racial racial prejudice. Right? God loved all people, including foreigners, which is clearly written in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, which comes before the verse where it says Ammonites and Moabites shouldn't be in the temple, which is in Deuteronomy chapter 23. So if in Deuteronomy chapter 10, God makes an appeal that he clearly loves all people of all races, then what that means is that the truth of Deuteronomy chapter 23 has to fit into those contexts. And when you put it into context, what you're saying is God does love these people. God may have a plan for them. I believe that God wants their hearts, but because of the sanctity of the Jewish people and the fact that the Messiah was going to come from that uh from the Jews, it wasn't... Somebody's bloodline couldn't be a cursed bloodline or like a... Something like that. Messed up one. There could be a lot of reasons why the Lord said that, but he did. He did allow foreigners to make sacrifices and desired all nations to love him, which is written in Isaiah chapter 42. I like this. But while God wants all to come to him, he warns believers in Proverbs chapter 24 to stay away from those who are bent on doing evil, meaning they just can't help but want to do evil. So if he's warning believers to stay away from those who just want to do evil, it's what's in their heart, doesn't mean he doesn't love them. He's just acknowledging that, like you guys are my sons, I don't hate other kids who do bad things. I want the best for them, but I don't want them hanging around you. The relationships established between Jews and pagans had caused their captivity in the first place. It's basically what Trey just said. In their celebration and rededication, they had to show they were serious about following God's law. Which is sometimes why it's appropriate to put your own little law in place. It's not because you're trying to go after righteousness. It's like somebody who's an alcoholic. Is it a sin? To drink alcohol? No. Is it a sin to abuse alcohol? Yes. Yes. If you have a history of abusing alcohol, do you think it's a good idea to put another law in your life in place that would say, I'm not even going to enjoy this the right way because I regularly end up enjoying it the wrong way? Yes. It's a good idea. If you say, I've got a problem with alcohol. It controls me. I don't control it. So 
it's not a sin to even have one drink, but I'm not going to have a drink because I get out of control and I know that about me. Does that make sense? You're taking things that aren't of themselves a sin and knowing your own nature to fail and saying, I need to exclude this from my life. It's not because you're trying to gain your righteousness through Christ. It's just because you're trying to make a positive behavioral impact in your life. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Good. A lot of people have a hard time separating the two, understanding that, no, I'm not trying to be righteous. I'm just trying to live in the righteousness which I've already received. Understand? The righteousness, the righteousness that we have received is not a righteousness that leads us into paths of evil. It's a righteousness that pulls us, and I mean just continues to pull us towards that which we already are. Right? I can't explain it other than, man, you can pedal in the mud for a long time, but if the Holy Spirit is in your heart, you will never feel at home there. You will just not feel comfortable there. You will not be able to lay down your arms and say, I accept my place as a pig here in the mud because the Holy Spirit is telling you, you are a son who belongs next to me. You know what I'm saying? So it's always going to try and pull you out and he'll feel it. People resist it and they callous their heart and sometimes they never give into it. But I honestly believe that if the Holy Spirit is in your heart, it will pull on you to go that direction, no matter how hard the fleshly influence pulls you back into the mud. Well, guys, I was going to go into chapter 13, but I kind of, I think that's a good place to quit. That is just the, the beginning of chapter 13. We got through the first three verses. Tomorrow we will finish up chapter 13. Any departing thoughts, Brock? No. All right. What about you? No. Well, I love you, boys. Love you, too. You guys are good kids. Mm